Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. As always, I'm your gracious host, Scott Connor, at Charles Chill FFB on the Twitter box. You can find everything Destination Devi at patreon.com slash allgas. You can find the Dynasty and Chill community over at patreon.com slash dynasty and chill. And then always subscribe to the Destination Devi newsletter, allgas.beehive.com. Dot com backslash subscribe. So on last week's episode, we started our off-season roster prep series, uh, and I went through the threshold receivers, and more importantly, the roster cloggers, and kind of thinking about transitioning away from those roster cloggers before the season ends, before week 17 gets here, rosters are locked, there's no waiver moves. Even if you've had a trade deadline, you're probably looking at potentially being able to swap some of those players out for running backs going into the offseason. And something that I mentioned a lot on that show, or at least brought it up a couple times, was what to do with some of the other roster spots. I think it's obvious for a lot of people, hey, I should pick up a running back. If that's not clear from what I've talked about uh, last week and in the roster construction series, finding any running back with a pulse is a more practical use of a roster spot going into the offseason than a lot of other things. And we know the reason for that. I mean, look at today. We saw Marlon Mack score a touchdown. We see running backs come out of nowhere every single week, especially as they get towards the end of the season. We see running backs come out of nowhere that they find jobs. And you go, there's no way I thought that guy would be in the NFL. Yet you look at Marlon Mack, you look at Latavius Murray. I mean, I gave example of a team's backfield and who they're using, Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack. That wasn't the plan going into the year. You may not have held those guys. In fact, I actually cut Marlon Mack in a lot of places when he was cut. And I figured there's no way the team's already given up on him. Multiple teams had given up on him and he never really got a shot. You know, he was on the Colts. He then transitioned over and you thought he was going to be the handcuff in other spots, was on practice squads, still didn't get the call up. Then you're going, there's no chance. And then boom, lo and behold, week 15, we have Marlon Mack and we have Latavius Murray contributing to fantasy team. Now you might say I wasn't starting those guys. I had better options, but that's not the point. The point is the running back landscape is very much a systemic thing. It's very much a, do we trust this guy for the role that we have available? 
any running back that's done it before, any running back that has any sort of attributes or pedigree is somebody that I want to roster going into the offseason. So that's obvious. You know, I talked about that with the roster cloggers last week, being able to trim your roster down, alleviate roster cloggers, trade away the fringe roster cloggers or trade away the guys that are right above roster clogger range uh, for draft picks. Those are usually ones that are worth, you know, a second, maybe a third talked about that. I did talk about KJ Osborne being one of the biggest roster cloggers. And of course he goes out uh, this weekend and absolutely crushes. So maybe I'm rethinking that a little bit, but again, the premise remains with looking at those closely, figuring out what your threshold is going to be, and then operating to try to move those guys for picks, try to liquidate. Obviously the theory getting some extra picks allows you to use them during the season when you can buy points straight up, or it allows you to move around the draft board much easier. But something I talked about in the episode was also, what else can I use my roster spots on? I'm not just freeing up roster cloggers. I'm actually freeing up a lot of backup quarterbacks. And that's going to be the first part of the episode tonight is talking about navigating the quarterback landscape. And we're going to assume that we're talking super flex. We're talking 12 team super flex here. So it's nothing crazy. Obviously, if you're in a 14 team, 16 team, I'm in a couple 16 team 2QB leagues. Obviously, in those leagues, every quarterback pretty much is going to be rostered. They're not going to be cut in the offseason. They're not going to be released because they're a backup. In fact, people are rostering third-string quarterbacks in that format just because they're so scarce. So for this, we're going to talk more of your standard 12-team league, super flex, 28-man rosters, kind of the same that I did on the roster construction series. But you probably have a lot of spots that you're occupying with backup quarterbacks. As we get through the season, we see a bunch of quarterbacks end up getting hurt. You pick up these guys, even if you don't play them, you're picking up the Colt McCoys and the Brett Rippins and even the Anthony Brown types. You're picking those guys up on waivers. Now, you know which ones are obvious. Hey, that guy was a third stringer. Clearly, I'm not going to keep Trace McSorley or Anthony Brown into the offseason. But then you go a little higher up and you say, okay, what about some of these other guys? What's my cutoff line? My strategy is I don't want to carry many backup quarterbacks in the offseason. I want to really trim it down and narrow the list down to effectively like maybe 15 or so that I'm willing to carry. And some of those are going to be young guys. Some of those are going to be young guys that basically haven't had a shot yet, but they have some sort of pedigree. I'm probably carrying a guy like Sam Howell for a reason different than maybe I'm carrying somebody like Jacoby Brissett or Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum. Like there's totally different theory there. I'm carrying Sam Howell just because if he ever were to get an opportunity, at least for the next year or two, he has enough of a name where I could probably flip him. So there are players like that, depending on what players are still hanging around in their first or second year, you're probably going to keep somebody like Bailey Zappi. For me, I'm probably going to keep somebody like Skylar Thompson. I think he has a really good shot of being the backup quarterback for Miami next year. We know he's going to be behind Tua. We know that's going to be a system that has Tyreek and Waddle. That's one of those guys that I wouldn't be shocked if there was a Tua injury. Skylar Thompson starts five games next year, and you go, wow, this guy's actually not that bad. So there's one where I at least have an angle as to why I would keep him. But what I want to do is just kind of go through some quarterback data, talk a little bit about the backups that I want to hold on to, and then talk about some of the guys that I think you probably want to stash going into the offseason. And then you want to have a cutoff point. Here's the theory. Once you're past this list of starters, potential starters, high leverage backups, young backups that could maybe have some flip equity in the future, don't roster any quarterbacks. I see a lot of people into the offseason and it's February or March and waivers have closed and they're still rostering Colt McCoy. They're still rostering these backup quarterbacks 
And it's like, yeah, that guy really wasn't any good to begin with. Why are you carrying John Walford into the offseason? It's a wasted spot. That's a spot that you could use on another player that actually is going to be a live asset that could gain a little bit of value. One of those backup quarterbacks, especially when they're outside of like the clear high-end backup range, they're basically just a wasted roster spot. So definitely you want to go through and you want to cut bait on any of those like really, really low-end backup quarterbacks that you're carrying simply because you thought they might get a start or you thought you liked the system and the quarterback ahead of him is banged up, so I picked him up just in case. You still see a lot of people right now carrying Bryce Perkins and John Walford. Now, I cut those guys a long time ago just simply because I don't even really want a quarterback in any of those situations. I don't want a quarterback on the Rams regardless. But even so, like those were guys where I'm like, okay, I had them on rosters for maybe this week or that week or this week or that week, but they're cuts. And there's a lot of others like that. You know, you've seen people holding on to Sam Ellinger. They probably picked him up. They kept him because he was starting for a while, but he's a guy that should have been cut a long time ago. Kyle Allen is another one. Cool. He was announced a starter for a week. But that's a guy that should be absolutely cut. Brett Rippon, same thing. Brett Rippon's been around for a while. He's not that good. And he's a guy that's going to be a clear backup going forward. So that's another cut. Colt McCoy is another cut. One that's on a ton of rosters. That's probably going to be on a roster literally until the very, very end of the season because there's going to be people potentially starting him. Assuming that he ends up playing at least one more game this year. He did leave today with an injury. But assuming that he actually plays... That's a guy that's going to be on a ton of rosters going into the offseason. For me, if I'm out of the playoffs and I couldn't see a path where I would ever play him, boom, he's gone. A couple guys I've been stashing all year, Nick Mullins and Jarrett Stidham. I like Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins has stepped in before in the Shanahan system and has been a useful backup. I like Nick Mullins on Minnesota. Kirk Cousins never gets hurt. I stash Nick Mullins a lot because I figured that's an offense where if he had to come in, he could be competent. Hasn't had to happen. So any team I'm out of it, Nick Mullins has already been cut. Jarrett Stidham, the same thing. Familiar with the Josh McDaniels system. Raiders, not a bad offense to have a part of. Boom. Carr wherever to get hurt, and Carr's been hurt before. Uh, Jarrett Stidham could be a guy that could give you a spot start. So really, guys like that, I've already cut. I've looked at my team, and I go, okay, I'm out of the playoffs. Even if I'm playing for like a toilet bowl or a consolation prize, I'm still probably going to cut those guys to try to stash somebody else. And I'm doing that as soon as I'm out. So even after week 15 ends, any team that I have that gets eliminated or has nothing to play for or really isn't playing for anything monetary, if I'm playing for a consolation pick, then fine. But really, if I'm out of it, if I have no chance to win any money, those guys are getting cut. I'm always looking at my teams, even before the roster clogger receivers. I'm looking at these teams saying, okay, where can I maybe cut the backup quarterbacks? And they're all gone. Give me any running back, a guy I've been picking up. And when you hear this name, you're going to be like, oh, wow, no way. I've been picking up a lot of Mike Davis. The Ravens cut him. A lot of people in Dynasty cut him. So I've picked up Mike Davis. Why? You know what? He's still a guy that's under 30, that's come in roles before when you literally thought he was done for and has made a team. So I'd rather roster Mike Davis than a lot of these backup quarterbacks. So that's one where literally you can pick Mike Davis up in pretty much any league. Any league where there's 30-man rosters or more, like I'm picking up Mike Davis. Uh, Josh Johnson is another one I picked up a ton of. I figured, you know what? Josh Johnson's been around. If he ever had to take over for San Francisco and with the Brock Purdy injury news coming into week 15, you never know. Picked up a lot of Josh Johnson. That's another one that I'll absolutely cut once I'm out of contention for something going into the offseason. 
There's a lot of other names in here, uh, ones where you probably recognize some of them. Guys like Jacob Eason might be sitting on a roster. C.J. Beathard got picked up a lot when Trevor Lawrence got injured uh, a couple weeks back. People added Beathard as maybe Lawrence might be banged up. Uh, there's others. Nick Foles hanging around on some teams. Chase Daniel from earlier when Justin Herbert got banged up. I mean, you can basically go through the list and look at the quarterbacks that have got in, that have played some snaps, that have thrown some passes. You probably can find them on some dynasty rosters. Clear those guys out. Clear those guys out. Now, some of these are really, really obvious, right? A lot of the names I mentioned thus far in the episode are really, really obvious. But what about the not-so-obvious ones? What does your list look like? Now, I can't sit here and say my list is absolutely 100% scientific. Uh, However, I do have a method. I do have a process that I've kind of come up with to try to figure out, okay, maybe I can strike gold on some of these guys going into the offseason. And maybe you can even buy some of these guys. Maybe there's some opportunity to buy some potential really, really low-end backup quarterbacks for some roster clogger wide receivers, right? There's probably some names where you say, you know what, I like this guy for that reason. Maybe somebody else doesn't. Maybe somebody else just sees that as one of these guys they're thinking about cutting. And truthfully, most people are too lazy. They don't put in the detail. They don't really have the attention span to go through and meticulously cut a lot of these players. So they'll just let them sit on their roster. And sure, some of them may have some value. Some of them may have some value to them and they just don't want to cut them. But I think a lot of times it's just they don't make the move. They don't think about it. They don't think about it into, oh, May, I have to clear my injured reserve. I have to promote players from my taxi squad. I need to get my roster ready to make my rookie draft picks. Okay, let me go ahead and cut my Brett Rippins and my Colt McCoys and my CJ Bethards. I'll cut those guys now. Reality is they never had a shot to get a starting job. There was never a chance that they were going to get signed to a deal, inked somewhere to be a bridge quarterback or bridge starter for somebody, really you're just drawn dead. You're wasting a roster spot. So get ahead of the game. So let's talk about some of the names that you can do one of two things with. You can try to acquire or make sure they're not on waivers. So this is going to be the these guys must be on roster list going into the offseason. Now, whether you have them or somebody else has them, you need to check to see if they're on rosters. If you have them, you're definitely not cutting them. Also, they can be targets and trades for roster clogger receivers. Just like last week, we talked about if you can't get a draft pick for a roster clogger receiver, what do you do? Can't get a third, no way. Can't even get a fourth. And sometimes that happens because people just don't want to part with draft picks. Even if it's a fourth, they'd rather have a draft pick because it's not costing them anything. Can you buy a running back? Can you trade for a backup quarterback? Those are the things I want to roster. I want to roster anywhere from the top 40 to 50 quarterbacks going into the offseason, and then I want to roster running backs. Everything else can be dialed in, except in the cases where you're looking at the certain tight end premiums where it warrants you being able to flex those guys. I talked about that in the tight end roster construction series. So we'll do a brief episode next week talking about some tight ends to stash as well. Uh, But for the most part, it's running backs. And it's this list of quarterbacks. And that's it. That's what I want to use all my extra roster spots on going forward. The only exceptions would be if you can justify, hey, I'm carrying this player because there's some flip value. There's some liquidation equity. And that's it. I don't want to just be carrying dead weight. That's a very important thing that I try to run with my teams meticulously. And it's got to be done before you get to week 17. You have to be prepped On the morning that week 17 starts, you got to be ready to go. You got to be grinding those first come, first serve waivers on that morning or the day before and making these transactions because a lot of leagues, everything locks down. Everything locks down after those games start. There isn't another waiver run. I know on Sleeper that happens. I know on my fantasy league, the, the default 
is that when that takes place, that last week of the season, week 17, there's no more waiver runs unless the commission specifically goes through and sets it to get extended past that week. So you're essentially locked out. You can't make any more moves. You can't swap out these backup quarterbacks. You can't swap out these Washter Krago receivers. You have to be proactive. So this is something to really be ready for with your portfolio of teams going into that last week. You got to be ready to grind that waiver wire. You got to be ready to hit those first come first serves and drop a lot of this extra dead weight that we're going to talk about going forward here in this episode. So with that, I'm going to go through the quarterbacks and I'm just going to look at some efficiency data real basic. I'm going to go to the website is rbsdm.com backslash stats. If you go to the team tiers and look at quarterbacks, you can pull up the efficiency data or the EPA per play. This is what I talked about uh, in the quarterback episode. I've hit on it a couple times, uh, definitely back in the quarterback efficiency episodes that I did early on in the show, uh, talked about EPA per play. And so this is what I use just to measure basic quarterback efficiency. Really, it's a team stat, but because the quarterback is involved in pretty much every play, Uh, it's essentially being used as a quarterback stat. So it's very, very correlated with quarterback performance. So quarterback essentially is assigned EPA per play for the plays that they've played. So with that, I'm going to go down the list and look at the guys that are obviously outside of clear starter range next year. And then just talk a little bit about how they graded out from efficiency perspective. Now, some of these guys are really, really small sample sizes. So I had to use a cutoff of 50 plays at quarterback this year just to capture everybody. But even that is a really small sample size. You know, if you have somebody that's only played 74 plays and there's some names on here where it's such a small sample size, it's hard to really say for sure or clearly uh, where somebody is going to grade out. Skylar Thompson, for instance, I mentioned Skylar Thompson as a guy I'm keeping. If you use the efficiency data, you'd say no. Skylar Thompson, really, really poor. 52 out of 54. So we've had 54 quarterbacks that have played at least 50 or more plays at the quarterback position this year. Skylar Thompson's at the very, very bottom. Now, part of the reason I'm holding him is not because of this data. I'm making an exception for him. Part of that is the system that he's in. Part of that's the player that he's behind. I'm forecasting that he's going to be the number two quarterback next year in Miami, so I want to keep him. And there's a lot of players like that where you can go, okay, they're going to be the backup next year. I kind of like the situation, so let me hold on. So you really want to make your own list. But my job is to really go through and just kind of nitpick on these guys, whether I'm keeping them, whether I'm not. So that's the list that I want to hit. So I'm just going to go down the line and pick out any quarterbacks that I think are somewhat questionable, guys that are clearly not starters right now, or at least not seen as long-term starters, and talk about whether they're players that I want to keep and how I would approximately value them. So let's just start. We're going to go all the way down the list to number six. And this is kind of crazy. Now, it's a small sample size, only 81 plays. And this data is through week 14. Only 81 plays thus far, but sixth in the league in EPA per play, Sam Darnold. So Sam Darnold is probably not a guy that's going to get a shot to start next year, but you never know. He's got pedigree. He's played okay thus far as the starter for the Panthers. They haven't asked him to do much, but at least these EPA numbers tell me, you know what, if I have Sam Darnold, I'm going to keep him. There was a time this year when they brought on Baker Mayfield, and then when he got hurt, and then they went to P.J. Walker. After drafting Matt Corral, you're kind of going like, man, Sam Darnold's just not it. He's going to be a guy that's really, really close to just dumping. I mean, I was moving Sam Darnold for fourth-round picks over the summer, And it was basically like, he's not any good, but there's been so many moves that have gone against him being a guy that's ever going to get another shot. Basically, I want him off my roster. That's changed. 
he's actually maintained or even improved his value a little bit this year. So Sam Darnold is the first one. He's a hold. Brock Purdy, ninth in EPA per play. So Brock Purdy, most likely going to be a backup. I know there's been some buzz about Brock Purdy. Well, he might be the starter for the Niners next year. And I don't want to rule anything out. If Brock Purdy takes him to the Super Bowl and they like win a Super Bowl, it's going to be hard not to say Brock Purdy's the starter next year, which is insane. It's insane given they had Jimmy Garoppolo and we were saying the same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo. If he were to go to the Super Bowl and win, there's a shot they just bring him back. And they have a quarterback that they drafted in the top three still sitting there in Trey Lance, who will be coming back and still is a top 13 dynasty quarterback. But Brock Purdy is clearly a hold. Even if he is the long-term backup for San Francisco, if he's just the backup going into next year, he's basically another Jimmy Garoppolo, where you have to roster him. He's in the best spot in the league to be the backup in, and it's behind a guy in most likely Trey Lance, who's really, really volatile and coming off a major injury. So Brock Purdy, definitely a hold. Another one, Jacoby Brissett, 13th in EPA per play. Now, this is a big sample size. Jacoby Brissett, 463 plays run this year as a quarterback and still 13th in EPA per play ahead of guys like Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers. Not saying he's better than those guys. Jacoby Brissett is one of those players that I think you can buy for a third. More importantly, I think you can buy for a roster clogger receiver that somebody else likes. So think of somebody like Terrace Marshall, somebody like that. We talked about some of the names last week. I'd rather have Jacoby Brissett. I think there's a really good chance that a team that misses out on whatever quarterbacks are available, a team that isn't in the right spot to draft a quarterback high next year, I think there's a really good shot that Jacoby Brissett lands on his feet and ends up getting at least a bridge starting job. I could see him going to like Baltimore if they end up trading Lamar Jackson, something like that. But I definitely am interested in getting more Jacoby Brissett shares. Uh, and I, I think that he's a guy that you can get. You just have to appeal to the other owner. How about trading somebody like David Bell for Jacoby Brissett? I mean, send out these offers. This is something I need to do this week. I need to go and look at a lot of the roster clogger receivers. Maybe some of my KJ Osborne's I should think about sending out. Because we'll talk about at the end of the episode, the, the quarterback landscape. And there's been a lot of other shows that DD has covered. And I'm sure we'll talk even more about that as we get to the offseason. Uh, but it's kind of a crazy quarterback landscape. You know, there's a lot of moving parts, but really there's only maybe 16, 17 secure quarterback jobs next year. And a couple of those are guys we really don't even want for Dynasty. So I think Brissett is really, those really, really high-end ones that I want to get a ton of shares of going into the offseason. 16th with 140 plays at quarterback Mike White coming in 16th in EPA per play. Same kind of thing as Brock Purdy, right? Even if Mike White is not the starter next year, he's a free agent. He's a guy that very likely is going to get another look because of what he's done thus far. And really good shot that the Jets just bring him back. It sounds like he's really, really kind of endeared himself to that locker room. And I think there's a really, really good shot that he's their backup, if not gets a shot at the starter role next year. So that's another one that's definitely on the keep list. A few others going down the line. Andy Dalton, 17th in EPA per play. Now, this is with a big sample size. This one actually surprises me. When you look at a lot of the EPA numbers, Andy Dalton is basically middle of the pack. And you would always kind of think of Andy Dalton as, well, you know what? He's not as good as he used to be. But really, he's basically the same guy that he was in the last few years that he was starting. Remember when he took over for Dak Prescott in Dallas when he got hurt? 
So, I mean, Tyke Andy Dalton is one of those guys that has a shot to get a bridge job. I think he is a really high leverage backup. That's what he's been the last couple of years. I don't think the team immediately looks at him and says, okay, he's our starter. He's backed up in Dallas. He's backed up in Chicago. He's now backed up in New Orleans. I think he gets another backup job, but at the same time, he's one of those that you just can't cut. You kind of know you can get something from Andy Dalton when he comes in, so he's another one that I'm hanging on to. After this, you get down to the ones where I'm not so sure. This one's going to surprise a lot of people, but number 21 in EPA per play thus far, Marcus Mariota. Now, I'm on the fence with Mariota, and just to be frank with everybody, I have caught Mariota in every league. And part of it is, it sounds like he kind of just quit on the Falcons. At the same time, he really had like the perfect scenario being reunited with Arthur Smith. Coming in, he waited over two years in Las Vegas to get this opportunity, and now he's been benched. So Mariota is one of the ones where I think a lot of people could justify keeping him. He has fantasy upside because he can run. But I also look at him and I'm like, this was probably the best shot that he's going to get. And we saw what he was. So even though he's 21st in EPA per play, I've actually cut Mariota. I've traded him in a couple leagues as well. I traded him in a start 13 league for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Shout out to Justin Mercer. We made that deal. And it's no slight against Justin. Like, I actually can see why in a 14-teamer you would want the quarterback over Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But I looked at Mariota and I'm like, I'm done with him. And when I'm done, I typically clean house in my portfolio. I don't have one or two shares lingering around. So if I have one of these quarterbacks in like six leagues, I move them in a couple and I go, you know what? I'm just going to be out. And I go down to zero. I just wipe my hands clean. So Mariota's guy that I cut, actually Eric picked another one up in one of the leagues that I dropped him. So he's going to get picked up. Now, I don't know if you can get a fourth for him. I don't know if you can actually get a pick for him, but... Like I said, I traded him for a receiver that I think is actually above the threshold. And so I'm okay taking it, especially in a start 13. So that's pretty much it with Mariota. You know, I've caught him, but I can see where he's probably above the cut line in terms of a guy you want to just dump for nothing. 23rd, Bailey Zappi. So Bailey Zappi, another small sample size, only 112 attempts. uh, Probably going to be the backup in New England for the foreseeable future. So that's one where even if you don't love the New England situation, you pretty much have like another version of what Jared Stidham was or another version of what Jacoby Brissett was when he was there. Like you have a guy that's always ready to go if they need him and you probably just have to hold on to him. The odds he ever becomes a starter or they ever turn the job over to him is extremely low. Even if they were to trade Mac Jones, somebody else is going to come in. It's not like they're going to hand the job to Bailey Zappi. So I don't think you're holding on to him for that, but it is one of the better situations probably for a backup because you know you've seen him before and you know he can do exactly what they want him to do. So he's probably above the cut line as well. 25th, Mitchell Trubisky. So Trubisky took back over for Kenny Pickett this week because of the concussion. 25th in the league in EPA per play. So he's still above. So he's still in the positive range. Just so everybody knows, a positive EPA means you're above average per se, or kind of above the cut line. It's not really above average. It's more of just above the cut line. But Trubisky is 25th. Again, I think he already got his shot. I think this is more of like a Mariota situation, but I think Trubisky's better than Mariota. Uh, and I don't really know, looking at the Steelers system with Matt Canada, like I'm not sure really Trubisky wasn't set up to kind of fail uh, in that system with that offensive line and the Matt Canada offense. I don't want to say that it wasn't his fault that he failed, but I also look at that and say, you know what, I'm going to still hold on to him. 
I think he could definitely go somewhere like back to Buffalo because Case Keenum is a free agent. Like I could see Trubisky going to somewhere, maybe not next year because uh, technically he's still under contract with the Steelers for one more year. Uh, but I could see him moving on elsewhere and still being a viable backup for a long time. And he can move. He is athletic. I- I'm kind of curious if we ever saw Trubisky in like a different system. Like if we saw him like in the Shanahan system or in a system that allows him to run a little bit more. Because that's something that the Bears never let him do at the end of his career and the Steelers don't really do. But he's a guy that can run. So I think I'm probably keeping Trubisky above the cut line and keeping him through the offseason. Down the line, number 30, Cooper Rush. So Cooper Rush, 30th in the league in EPA per play. I'm cutting Cooper Rush. The Cowboys cut Cooper Rush before the season. Now, of course, they said they were going to bring him back, no doubt. He was always going to be their backup. It was just a procedural thing. Uh, I'm not keeping Cooper Rush. I don't think he's good enough to keep. I don't think there's any shot uh, that he goes anywhere and he's a starter. So he's one that has been bad enough where I'm saying, you know what, I don't really want to keep him. So I'm fine cutting him going into the offseason. I think anywhere that I had Cooper Rush, even on my Dak Prescott teams, um, I've already cut him. Taylor Heineke, number 32 in EPA per play. So Heineke, even before tonight's game, uh, which is just about to start, uh, I am already kind of penciling Heineke in as one of those right on the cut line guys. But there's a shot that if he continues to win, gets into the playoffs, it'll be the second time he's got into the playoffs. You know what? There's a really good chance that Taylor Heineke has a shot to start next year. Is he going to be named the starter? I don't know about that, but... Is there a shot that they bring him back? He is an unrestricted free agent. Do they bring him back and give him a shot to start next year? Um, I think so. I can see Ron Rivera bringing him back, much for the same reasons the Jets would bring back Mike White. I kind of see these guys as the same thing. And in that case, I'm probably keeping Heineke just for the shot that he lands in the same spot next year. So going down the line a little bit further, Tyler Huntley, 37th in EPA per play. Again, he is a restricted free agent. Uh, So I do think that the Ravens potentially bring him back as their backup. But this idea that they may let go of Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley would be the guy that they start. I don't think so. I was thinking that was a very, very slim possibility, but not the way that he's played. Even if they were to, and my prediction has always been, they tag Lamar Jackson. That situation gets ugly. Potentially they look to trade Lamar Jackson, but they don't re-sign Tyler Huntley or bring back Tyler Huntley uh, with a restricted free agent contract and then boom he's their starter I think he's their backup I think they would go pick up somebody else this could be a spot for like Jacoby Brissett is a name that comes to mind Uh, but I think Huntley is probably where he is the backup for the Ravens but you still gotta hold him even if they bring back Lamar Jackson you've seen Tyler Huntley get multiple starts in back-to-back years so he's definitely a guy that you're gonna keep going down the line Carson Wentz EPA 41 So Wentz is an interesting one because he has a big name, but I think he might be more on the Mariota track than we might really want to admit. Not saying I would cut him. I think he's a guy you could probably flip for a dead-ass running back, backup running back somewhere, Uh, but he's one that I don't really even want. He's gotten three shots to be a starter now, uh, has been essentially replaced in his last two spots after moving on from Philly, but that's three spots he's been replaced. So I'm not really thinking anybody's going to look at Carson Wentz as a bridge starter. He's probably going to have to carve out like an Andy Dalton type career, but really he's not as good as Andy Dalton. His historical numbers have not been as good as Andy Dalton. So I do wonder with maybe some of the stuff going on with him off the field or in the locker room or whatnot, like I wonder if maybe a team doesn't even really want Carson Wentz. I wonder how much interest he actually has. So I think you have to keep him. 
But other than that, I'm probably not that interested in buying him. He wouldn't be at the top of my list to be one of the guys that I buy. In fact, if I had him, he'd be one of the guys that I'd look to flip out for somebody else. Uh, 42, Davis Mills. So I think Davis Mills is going to be the backup for the Texans. So even if they draft somebody, Davis Mills is going to be there. You probably have to keep him because he has NFL experience. I'm not excited about him, really. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year. He's a clear backup, uh, but that's a guy that I'm probably not keeping. Again, I would flip him for a running back if I could. I don't have any shares of him. I don't have any shares of Carson Wentz, but if I did... Those would be guys I'd be trying to get rid of. I'm I'm really into the EPA stuff, and so I dumped those two guys a long time ago just simply because they've trended so bad. Uh, so Wentz and Mills are guys that are on a ton of teams, and you're going to wonder what to do with them. I'm trying to flip those guys for running backs if I can. And again, the level of running back you're looking for here is absolutely minimal, right? You're looking at a running back that you might pay a spot start third for. And if not, if you just want to hold Carson Wentz or Davis Mills as a backup quarterback, sure do it. But I think the name outweighs what they actually are. I think there's a lot of other guys potentially that you could get for those guys or that I would put ahead of those guys that I definitely would rather have over Wentz and Davis Mills. Next up, 43rd on the list, Joe Flacco. So Joe Flacco has basically been demoted as the number two for the Jets. So I'm cutting Joe Flacco. No reason to have him. I think he's the first one on this list that really you can say is a true roster clogger. Uh, that I'm cutting. So no reason to keep him. Baker Mayfield, I don't think we really need to even talk about Baker Mayfield. He's been very bad, but I think he gets another chance. Uh, And he's in a spot right now where he could get another chance. Unlike Davis Mills and Carson Wentz, who are not getting another chance in the current spot that they are, Mayfield, there is a chance. There is a chance the Rams bring him back on like a one-year prove-it deal. We'll see what happens with Stafford, but I think the opportunity he's gotten to play Uh, last week and now down the stretch, I think he may earn himself potentially another shot. I'd rather have him over a couple of those guys that are heavy, notably Davis Mills and Carson Wentz. Colt McCoy, 46. He's a cut. PJ Walker, 47. He's a cut. Brett Rippon and John Walford and Bryce Perkins and Sam Ellinger, 48, 49, 50, and 51. All of those guys are cuts. Kyle Allen, 53. He is a cut. I mentioned Skylar Thompson, 52. He's a keeper for me. And then Malik Willis, 54. He's one of those guys where you just have to keep because he's young. He has a little upside. Don't think he's really that great, but, and a testament to EPA, Malik Willis is literally last in the league in EPA. Of guys that have played at least 50 snaps or more at quarterback, he's at the very bottom. Woefully bad. Not only is he at the bottom, but he's 20% worse than everybody else. Three times as bad as Brett Rippon. Four times as bad as PJ Walker. So extremely, extremely poor for Malik Willis. So doesn't really give me much confidence, but he's also a guy that if he ever were to start for a long period of time, there would be some dynasty interest. So obviously you have to hold him. So there's the list. Those are the 54 quarterbacks thus far that have played at least 50 snaps at the quarterback position. Based on EPA, the ones that I would keep, the ones that I would cut. I think going through this list, I didn't cut one until I got to Joe Flacco which was at number 43. I ended up cutting Colt McCoy, PJ Walker, Brett Rippon, John Walford, Bryce Perkins, Sam Ellinger, Kyle Allen, Joe Flacco on this list. So if you take that, that's 54 on the list, minus eight that I decided that I was going to put totally on the chopping block. That puts you down at a number of 46 quarterbacks that I'm willing to hold on to going into the offseason. Obviously, there are some that I didn't talk about, So let's transition over to the free agency list and some that I didn't really talk about. 
So these are guys that either didn't get mentioned or got mentioned briefly, but they are also free agents this year, and they didn't get mentioned because they haven't played 50 snaps. So just a couple names on here that are free agents. And the reason I go to the free agents is because now there's a chance of some potential movement. Like really nothing has changed with these guys from a year ago because they haven't played much, but they are unrestricted free agents and there is a shot that there is potential movement with them going to the market and maybe they sign in a really good spot as a backup. So there is a reason to hold them. So I'm just going to go down the line of a couple names that stand out to me. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's 30 years old. He'll be an unrestricted free agent after leaving the Dolphins, hence why I want to keep Skylar Thompson. We've seen Teddy Bridgewater before. He's not going to get a starting job, uh, but he could also land in a spot where you go, you know what, I could see him getting in there and actually playing. So Teddy Bridgewater is one that I would hold on to. Case Keenum is right on the fringe. You know, really, you can look at Case Keenum in multiple ways. He started in the league before, a ton of games. He's come from a backup position and started games before. And he was in an awesome spot with Buffalo this year. Like that would have been the spot where you would have wanted him to get some reps. You would have wanted him to start a couple games. You thought Case Keenum was going to end up starting multiple games after the Josh Allen injury, and it didn't happen. So Case Keenum is going to be one that's tough for me. I have a lot of Case Keenum, but I have to be honest with myself and say, what was that for? He's going to be 35. You know, he was the backup for the Browns. He got traded to Buffalo. That's what put him back on the radar. He was not on my radar when he was the backup on the Browns. And so when he goes to Buffalo, I want him because he's on Buffalo. But then if he leaves Buffalo, that's one of those where I go, you know what, I'm not going to want him if he's the backup on the Steelers or something like that. So I'm really going to have to look a little deeper on Case Keenum uh, simply because he could leave Buffalo and go be a backup somewhere else. He may look at the Josh Allen situation and say, either I want to stay with Josh Allen, I want to stay with the Bills. There's a chance that I can really help Josh Allen get even better. There's a chance I can win a Super Bowl. Let me stay here. Or, you know what? I still think I can play. I want to go somewhere else where I get like an Andy Dalton type opportunity. You know, maybe I go somewhere like Minnesota and I'm the backup or the Rams or something like that. I know he's been on those teams before. But again, you're kind of looking at, okay, maybe I have a better chance of playing somewhere else. So I think it can go both ways for Case Keenum. So he's one where I'm probably going to end up cutting him and just banking that he's not going to re-sign with Buffalo. And even if he re-signs with Buffalo, I think I can probably pick him back up. So that's probably a one that's going to be on the cut line going into the offseason. There's a few others on here uh, that I didn't mention that are clear roster clockers that I just want to make sure nobody really keeps. Drew Locke will be a free agent. He really hasn't played at all. Hasn't played at all for the Seahawks. And I remember people thought he might be the starter going in, but Drew Locke is probably on a ton of dynasty rosters. He's an interesting one because he's hitting free agency. What's going to happen with him? Is he a guy that maybe will have like the value of what Trubisky had? He didn't get nearly as many starts. He wasn't as good as Trubisky, but he didn't really get to play. So I do wonder what a market for him would be. And I wonder if maybe there's somebody else that gets a hold of him and says, you know what, let me bring him in. Maybe he's got a shot to be a little bit better. So he's one of those ones where I don't have any Drew Locke at this point. But if I did, I'm kind of sitting there going, man, I don't want to cut him, but I probably have to because he didn't play at all this year. He had a shot to win a job this year and he just didn't. So that's one that you probably have to cut. And the last one that is a free agent that I think a lot of people are excited for, none other than Gardner Minshew, backup for Philadelphia, uh, hasn't played much this year at all. He will be a free agent at the end of the season has played a total of 25 snaps this season for the Eagles. And almost all of those have been in pure mop-up time, garbage time duty. He hasn't played any meaningful snaps at all for the Eagles. So 
Minshew is going to be one that a lot of people keep. I think he probably has a little better market than some of the other guys that I've talked about. Uh, so he's definitely one of those that's going to be on the cut line, ahead of the cut line. I probably keep him. I don't have much Minshew in Dynasty, but the ones that I have, I'm definitely keeping him going into the offseason. So with those guys added, if you take the 46 from the other list, and then you add in the few that I mentioned here, Teddy Bridgewater, also mention Gardner Minshew, we're up to 48. So 48 quarterbacks are on my list of, okay, I'm not cutting them. I will bring them to the very last minute. I will take them to the 11th hour of week 17 and see if I can move those guys for anything. And if I can't, I can't. I'm okay taking them into the offseason. Uh, but ideally, I'd try to liquidate them for running backs if I could. But if not, and you're stuck with them, it could be worse. But that's the list. Go back and listen to this again. 48 quarterbacks that I would keep going into the offseason. Maybe your list is a little different. Maybe it's a little smaller. I can't say that I won't trim mine down to be even smaller. I mean, I looked at my portfolio the other day to see how much ownership I have of quarterbacks. Right now, I'm carrying 44 different quarterbacks in Dynasty. And some of those are going to be cut before the season ends. So Josh Johnson, Jarrett Stidham, Nick Mullins, Brett Rippon. Those are four that come to mind that I'm clearly going to dump before the season ends. Uh, So my list is probably going to be down to about 40. There's a lot that I mentioned that I don't have any shares of. uh, But even if you had those guys, the list should be around 45 to 50. And that's it. After that, everyone else, take your chances. Free those roster spots. See what else you can get for them. And steer clear of the roster clogger quarterbacks going into the offseason. So with that, I'll be back in 30 seconds. I want to touch briefly on the conundrum with the 101 and just trying to forecast what the value of the 101 is going to be over the next three or four months. I'll be back in 30 seconds. Welcome back. So we're going to finish off tonight's episode uh, talking a little bit about the value of the 1.01 rookie pick in Superflex. And this is just going to be kind of a preliminary look, my initial thoughts on the value of the pick. We get a lot of questions on Trades in 5. Shout out to Clay and Shane uh, at Trades in 5 or Dynasty Trades in 5 on YouTube. Check out our channel there. But we get a lot of questions about the 101. And what's the value of it? What should I do with it? And I think conservatively, if you have the 101, you're probably not in a hurry to move the pick. There really isn't any risk on the pick going down in value, becoming less liquid or anything like that over the next couple months. We already know it's basically B. John Robinson, unless you're in one of these extreme formats where 14 team, 2 QB or something like that, or where the quarterback scoring is just so out of control that you just can't help potentially looking at a quarterback. However, This whole episode before this was talking about the quarterback landscape. We'll do a deeper dive when we get to the offseason, looking at the quarterback landscape, potential trades, starting spots, values of quarterback movers, guys that sign in for agency, guys that potentially get traded, guys that retire. All of that stuff is going to shake things up. However, looking at the 101 right now and what the value of it is, even compared to five years ago, anybody that played Dynasty in 2018 
you remember Saquon Barkley. That was Bijan Robinson before Bijan Robinson. Saquon Barkley in 2018 was a clear cut 101 to the point where he was going for massive hauls. We're talking three plus first, four plus first. And a lot of times it's not just picks, it was picks, future picks, players, packages of an insane proportion to try to buy Saquon. He was a top 10 startup pick. Now, this was before the quarterback craze really took off. And so I think that was a little bit inflated, but the idea was he was the most valuable rookie we've seen in a long, long time. The only one that's rivaled him since 2018 has been Trevor Lawrence. No other rookie has had that same type of value. But then we have Bijan, right? The biggest difference to me is that, first of all, a lot of teams saw Bijan coming years down the road. People saw Bijan coming two years ago. And so he's held firm at this spot basically since the beginning or middle of his freshman year. We already kind of saw this coming. And so people have been planning on tanking for him for a couple years. So that's the first thing. You have a lot of teams that already knew they were going to be getting Bijan. The second thing is the running back landscape has absolutely eroded. We've talked about it on this show. Not only the running back scoring going down, the median for the running back scoring going up slightly, which basically just means everything has been compressed together. Go back and listen to the running back episodes that I've done to talk about that. But then also looking at just the value of running backs, looking at the value of the high-end running backs. You know, we've seen Javante Williams exploded in value. Boom. Torn ACL. J.K. Dobbins, same thing. Torn ACL. Cam Akers, torn Achilles. Brees Hall, torn ACL. We've seen all these high-end running backs that were all valued at the top 10 in their position just take massive dives in value because of injuries. And that has spooked people off to the point where, you know, it's a common strategy now. We've talked about this the last couple shows. It's a common strategy to go into your new startup or look at your current league and say, you know what, I'm not going to place a ton of value at running back. Even if I place value on some running backs, the position as a whole, I don't want to have a lot of my value equity on my team. And I haven't really talked about that much on purpose because I'm going to do some stuff on the future uh, with roster equity. I haven't talked a lot about that from a running back perspective, but you do it subconsciously. You look at your team and you go, you know what? I don't want to have a lot of my assets tied up in running backs. And I think a lot more people are taking that approach, which means there are just less and less people willing to pay the market price, even for Bijan. And I could justify that if I have a team that is just absolutely gutted at running back. Maybe my best running back is like Miles Sanders. You know, then I have a bunch of other guys. Maybe my best running back, I have a team right now that's going to be in the semifinals. My best running back is Tony Pollard. Now you can argue Tony Pollard's probably a top 12, top 15 dynasty running back, but he certainly didn't get drafted there. Wasn't valued there when I got him. So just by sheer luck, I've kind of fallen into Tony Pollard being my most valuable running back. That's the type of team where you could probably justify the data saying, you know what, I'm willing to go buy Bijan, but what do I have to pay? You know, is the sale price or the demand price actually going to match what someone will be willing to give up? And the only circumstance where I could say it makes sense to flip a player straight up for Bijan or at least put together a package of assets for him would be in one of those situations where this is what I need. I need to take a shot on the next anchor. Because I need it. I'm looking for that anchor. I don't have, you know, Christian McCaffrey. I don't have Brees Hall already on my roster. 
you know, this is the team where I'd say I'd want to maybe build around it. But what do I have to pay? Do I have to pay first round startup price? And that's what I've seen thus far. So a couple things that I've noticed. The early market on Bijan, the team that has them, the market is massively inflated. It is, I want everything for him. I want the package of perfect players, picks, assets. I want you to basically give me all the leverage. I need a guy like Ramondre Stevenson. I need another top four pick on top of it. And then how about you throw in a wide receiver too? You know, something like that. At least what I've seen in terms of what people are asking for. But then you look at some of these rosters, which Bichon, and you go, wow. And you'll see this. Go to your team that has the 101 in your league. And just look at the team. Oftentimes, you'll see a roster that has bad quarterbacks, doesn't have enough threshold receivers, has a mess of roster construction, but they have this 101. And I sit there and I wonder, what's the plan? And I look at my leagues where I have the 101, and for the most part, they're structured right already. So I'm glad to add that 101, but there's even one that I can think of specifically where I only have one quarterback. You know, that's one where I would entertain potentially moving that 101. But I look across my league, all the leagues where I don't have the 101, and just do this exercise. Let's say you're in 10 leagues. Go look at the team that has the 101. Look at their structure. Look at their roster construction. Do they have major gaps? Do they have one steady quarterback? Do they have only like three or four startable receivers? Do they have absolutely nothing at tight end? And you just wonder, what's the plan? What is her strategy with this one-on-one? Because you already know in that given league, if this team is serious about winning, they probably need to put that one-on-one on the block. In fact, a lot of people that I've talked about, they purposely went for the one-on-one simply because they wanted the next Saquon Barkley asset, the next asset that they think they can maybe get four firsts of value with, the next asset that they think they can go split up into two locked-in stud starters. And I think the reality is you're not getting those deals in most leagues. And that's what I'm still trying to level set with right now, because I do think what's going to happen is the demand is massive. The supply is still finite, but what the people are willing to buy for is never going to meet the demand in 99% of leagues. Now, there might be people that are willing to kind of be more flexible on what they take, but it's also going to take certain assets as well. And I think that's the other thing is it's not just going to be three firsts. It's not just going to be two starters and a future first. It's going to be the right kind of assets at a premium value that someone else covets. They have to covet that type of assets. You may say, hey, I have three 24 firsts that I'm willing to trade you. Random firsts. And the person just goes, I don't want 24 firsts. They don't say why. They don't necessarily indicate what's wrong with 24 picks, but they want players. They want this type of player. They have to get a top 12 receiver in a deal for Bijan. They'd rather that than three 24 firsts and vice versa. You might be a team that is willing to trade this receiver or this pick, maybe not a 24 first, but a mid first in 2023. You may be willing to include those into deals and the person goes, no, nah, I need 24 firsts. If I'm not getting Bijan, I'm trying to lock in Drake May or Caleb Williams or whoever the QB1 or QB2 is next year, because I think that QB class is going to be special. And I'm just kind of pontificating on what the person might be thinking if they have the 101. The idea is they want a massive haul. So I do just wonder how many teams are going to actually move the 101, but then I look at how many teams have to move the 101. 
Because there's a many, many of teams where I look at their roster and I go, you know what? The worst thing this team can do, because I know they've tanked for two years to get this 101, and they ran the gauntlet. They out-tanked another two or three teams in the league to get that 101, but the rest of their team sucks. They have to move it. They literally have to break it into multiple assets to have a shot to kind of reboot their roster. And then it comes down to what is the market in your given league? You can watch Dynasty Trades in five and you can see 50 people make deals trading away their 101. And wow, look at that package that they got. Wow, look at that haul that they got. Then you go back to your league and yeah, this is the best offer I got. You know, the 104 and the 109. And you're going, that just doesn't feel like enough. And I would probably agree, that's not enough. But the idea is you're now subject to what somebody in your league is going to pay for. And it's because you're holding the best non-quarterback asset, arguably, but you're still subject to what your league market says. So it's going to be fascinating over the next couple months what the 101 actually transacts for. Like, I'm fascinated to see the type of deals that goes down because really, outside of Justin Jefferson... Maybe Jamar Chase. I probably put Jamar Chase in there just because he's basically producing as a top six receiver and he's doing it with like two other really good receivers next to him outside of those two receivers. And then if I can't use the 101 in a deal to get one of the top 10, 11, 12 quarterbacks, we know the list of a dozen quarterbacks probably that you're willing to transact with the 101. It doesn't mean you're trading the 101 straight up for Tua Tagovailoa or Dak Prescott. But at least if you had the ability to get one of those guys back in the deal, you think the 101 would be a trade piece that you could throw in there and work out a deal, even if you have to get a piece back on top with that quarterback. Obviously, if you're going to the higher end quarterbacks, you're going to have to add to the 101. But really outside of those top 12-ish quarterbacks and then Chase and Jefferson, there there isn't any other players I would want to move involving the 101. So right there, if that's your list, if that's the list you're going to go into the offseason with, it's limited. There's not a lot of trade candidates. You might only have seven or eight teams that hold those 14 players. And guess what? Most of the quarterbacks, maybe Chase, maybe Jefferson, they're not on the table. They're not getting traded. So that's why it's going to be really tough for the teams with the 101 to really come up with what they're willing to accept. There's going to have to be an element of flexibility, especially if you're one of these teams where you have the 101, but you don't have anything else. I mean, I was clicking on a couple rosters the other day, and you're looking, and it's like Daniel Jones is their only startable quarterback. They don't have enough receivers. Great, they're adding a running back. But even if they were to literally add Austin Eckler this year to their roster, they're not even coming close to making the playoffs. And I don't think you can say, oh, well, B. John Robinson is going to have Austin Eckler's 2022 season as a rookie. So really, it's about you're adding the asset B. John Robinson. You're not adding any sort of impactful production when your team is that bad. And that's just what I've seen is a lot of teams with Bijan are bad. They have bad roster construction. They don't have enough talent. And more importantly, they don't have quarterbacks. And until you can take this asset, which is the 101 in 2023, and literally go out and get an elite quarterback, really, what do you have? You have a really high-end skill player asset, but the way that a lot of people are playing in Dynasty right now is, I don't care about that. That's more replaceable than my Dak Prescott, than my Trevor Lawrence, than my Joe Burrow, than my Jalen Hurts, than my Josh Allen. If I have those guys, I mean, I've talked about this more and more and more. I'm just not trading them. They are not getting traded. I don't care if you're adding a future first on top to the 101. I'm not moving Jalen Hurts. 
Like, really, there isn't a trade you can offer me that adds more and more and more pieces. I mean, sure, there is a breaking point. But for the most part, there's nothing practical that someone would actually give me that would make me say, okay, I'm going to break up my roster construction. I'm going to trade one or one of both of my elite quarterbacks to just take on this pure value. Because now the value is my problem. Now I have to go out and flip that into other value to get my roster construction back to where I want it. And hopefully it lands me back in the place that I probably am right now. And I think this also goes for leagues that are even deeper. We're talking 12 teams start 10 as kind of the default for this show. Obviously in start eight leagues, you're going to see kind of crazy deals where people just pay to upgrade. I get that. But a lot of our leagues that we play in are start 11, start 12, start 13. Do you really think you're going to put one singular running back on the block and get three starters? three high-end starters, you're dreaming. And I remember in the Destination Debbie Discord earlier this year, we talked about the price on Jonathan Taylor. And I was like, I'll take Chris Olave in any first for Jonathan Taylor. And people are going, oh no, man, you're selling way too low. That's basically what we're talking about here, except for not Jonathan Taylor. It's a younger version of a superstar running back. But to think if you're in a start 11 or a start 12, someone is just going to hand you three high-end assets that you can start that are locked in starters, For a running back? Good luck. You're not getting that in a lot of leagues. So this is a fascinating topic. It's something that I've noticed. It's something that's going to be more of a discussion. There's going to be a lot of people. I put up a poll a couple weeks ago, and I thought it would end up being higher than what it was. But my premonition was you're going to see 95% of people with that 101 are going to be looking to shop it. Now, how aggressively? That's a different story. But I think everyone's going to put it on the block, right? 101 on the block, Bijan on the block, Hall of Fame running back, the next Ladanian Tomlinson on the block. But then you're going to have of that 90% or 95%, you're going to have probably half of those people that have to trade it. The only option they really have is to trade it. Now, you can say, I'm going to pick Bijan, I'm going to wait until he smashes, and then I'm going to try to get the trade. I've seen people say that. I guess that's plausible. But as soon as you do that, you're taking the risk that he gets hurt in the preseason. You're taking the risk that he gets hurt in the couple games that you say you're just going to wait for him to smash. So there is risk in that too. I mean, if you're a team that is way behind in roster value, are you really going to want to have the guy play four games and risk A, not looking amazing, B, maybe he gets hurt? Like there's a lot of risk tied up into that. So it's going to be fascinating to watch the deals for the 101, what many analysts out there talk about the value of the 101 is. Um, I'll just say this, and, and Ray taught me this a long time ago. Ray says this all the time. Be careful of the content that you consume. And I don't mean to say that to bash anybody specifically, but when you hear on a podcast or a show talking about a trade for the 101, make sure you understand the context. You get a lot of people that will say, oh yeah, I would pay that for the 101. But they're thinking about that league where it's a 12-team start 9, 23-man rosters. That is totally different dynamics than some of the leagues that you might be playing in. That is totally different context than if you're in a 12-team start 12, 34-man rosters. Those types of leagues, you're not giving up three starters for one running back. You're just not. And you can't really justify doing it no matter who the running back is because we're not good enough at picking out, okay, B. John Robinson might be really good, but I crystal clear know that he's the next Christian McCaffrey. We don't know that. 
So make sure you know the context. Make sure you know what content you're consuming when they're talking about the 101 because you're going to hear a lot of trades and you're going to go, oh, this guy on Twitter got this deal or I was listening to this podcast and they got this trade. Did they give you the context? Did they go into the settings? Did they talk about the rules? Did they talk about the league market? Did they give you any of that? Or was it just, oh, this trade calculator says I should do it? So be careful of the content you consume, but I think this is going to be a fascinating topic that we're going to be able to talk about a ton over the next four months, talking about the value of the 101 and really just what's the move for the team that has the 101. So just humor yourselves, go look in your leagues, see who has the 101, and just kind of compare that to the roster construction that you kind of already have in your mind. And just look at that team and you go, man, what does this team need to do if I have this 101? You know, do they need a quarterback? Do they need two quarterbacks? But just kind of think about it. And then just kind of watch to see what they do. Because I think that's going to be the most fascinating part about this pick is it's a pick that everyone's going to want to trade. And I think very, very few people are going to want to buy it at the price that people want to trade it for. So keep an eye on it. We'll have more content talking about the rookie class. The 101, I'm sure, will be a big topic going forward on DD. And it should be fun. Only a couple weeks away from crowning fantasy championships. Uh, And hope everybody enjoyed this episode talking about preparation for the offseason heading into 2023. As always, join the Discord, join the Patreon at patreon.com slash allgas for Destination Devi. My own is patreon.com slash dynasty and chill. And then as always, the newsletter, which I plugged at the beginning, but I'll plug again. It is allgas.beehive.com slash subscribe. Enter your email and you get weekly content from all the Destination Devi crew. Uh, there once a week on the weekend for your reading enjoyment. I'll go ahead and sign off. Uh, Thanks again to everybody with the platform. Thanks again to everybody at DD who continues to support me. Uh, Looking forward to rocking it uh, this offseason. And one final reminder, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but we are going to do the first live stream for Destination Dynasty, which is going to be at the end of the games in week 18. So mark that on your calendar. There will be no Sunday night game or Monday night game. I will be going live on YouTube that night. Uh, It will be on the end of week 18. So we're looking at Sunday, January 8th. We'll be live streaming on YouTube. No time announced yet, but I'll make sure that gets put out there. Uh, Jay Rich and I talked about it. Uh, We'll make sure we get a little promotion for that uh, so we can go live and do the first live episode of Destination Dynasty. It'll really just be kind of a decompressed session from the season. The season will be over at that point. The fantasy season will be over by a week. Uh, and we'll be talking off-season strategy, rookie strategy, roster construction strategy, and obviously any follow-ups uh, to the first dozen or so shows that I did leading up to it. So with that, I'll go ahead and sign off until next week where we'll talk more off-season prep. Be chill. Ain't like only ones I keep around me is my family.